Welcome to the Emerge Thriving Podcast, wellness designed for real life. In these conversations, we focus on topics that impact our everyday lives. Forgiveness, self-worth, resiliency, embracing self-care, the power of nutrition, and so much more. Life isn't always easy, but together we can take steps towards a thriving life. Today we're talking about being enough, unlearning perfectionism, and giving ourselves the permission to succeed with Mika Gobig from Gobig Coaching. Thank you for being with us, Mika. We're so happy to have you. Before we dive right in, would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners? Sure. Thanks for having me, Amy. I'm happy to be here today. My name is Mika Gobig. I'm the founder of Gobig Coaching. I'm a life and leadership coach. And I primarily guide my clients through the process of unlearning what holds them back, unlearning the propaganda of family, society, and culture. That is mostly what's in the way, especially for women, primarily for women. And uh, I want everybody to set their own rules and live really their own life on their own terms. And yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on a mission to make women a little more selfish in an oxygen mask first way. I think that's wonderful. We need it so much. You and I both have a long personal history with perfectionism and feelings of not being enough. And we're not alone in that. There's so many people around the world today who are experiencing these feelings simultaneously. For me especially, and for others I know, it leads to imposter syndrome and self-sabotage. So because I know this so well, I'm really excited to dive into our conversation and unpack this with you today. Speaking of perfectionism, I grew up in a religious household, which was a really constricted environment for multiple reasons, too. There was a lot of emphasis on what we said, what we did, oftentimes how we dressed. And it's taken me years to see that my self-worth is inherent And it's not determined by what I say or do. And I know perfectionism is something a lot of people struggle with for different reasons. What are some of the ways that we can reframe our thinking around perfectionism? The key sentence you said is you learned that your self-worth is not tied into with what you do, how you dress, what you say. And I think, I swear, I didn't hear that ever in my life before I turned 40, right? So I spent four decades not not actively knowing this. I've had probably times where, especially as a small, small children know that, but then we forget it and it takes us a long time to uncover that again. So I want everybody out there to really hear that sentence, that they are worthy no matter, just by being, no matter what they do, what they say, it's okay, right? So that's, that's where it all starts because that is where you can build the type of kindness and, and can foster your self-love that helps you uh, work through that perfectionism because perfectionism, in, when it comes down to it, is trying to, is a mechanism, it's a defense mechanism we establish to keep us safe. If we ever achieve perfection. Nobody will complain about, again, what we do, what we say, how we dress, all these things. And that's why somewhere 
the, the, the little child that we used to be had this idea that they just had to be perfect and everything would be good. And as adults, of course, we know that perfect doesn't really exist. Or like we see it in others, think it exists, but in, at, the core of the, at, at the core of our hearts, we know it doesn't exist. And if we only see it in others, that's kind of like an illusion. Because that person, whatever our ideal of perfect is, if you ask that person, they would tell you the same thing. I'm not perfect. Maybe this person is. And so maybe even you are for some people. So that's, I think, the starting point. Yeah, that's so true, isn't it? Especially with social media, TV and movies and all that. Things are made to look perfect or to appear perfect. And we don't always have the back story on things. And so we can think, well, if I, you know, that I should measure up to what I'm seeing. So I think that's so incredibly important to remember that for ourselves and for others. Since perfectionism and self-worth are so closely linked, it, it feels so true to me that cultivating a sense of self-worth and a core belief that we're enough is really key. So what are this, some of the main concepts or thoughts that you share with people to help them take steps towards connecting to their self-worth? Thank you for that question. So one of my very, very favorite things, I'm generally very much about giving people tools uh, they can apply without me. And also I'm, I'm very focused on giving them tools that are actually easy for them. But one thing I tend to bother clients and friends with that they, they eye roll and they have no idea if they really want to do it is the compliment jar or the compliment journal. So maybe you have a gratitude practice and you might have a little gratitude journal. And I just came, came to the compliment jar in my case because I heard about a gratitude practice of a friend who has several children. So they write little notes and then they put it in a big bowl they have or a jar. And on New Year's, they take out and, and just like share those gratitudes. And I had a really pretty jar, really big one too. And I didn't know what to do with it. And I'm a, I'm a minimalist. If I don't use something for half a year or something has to go. So I'm like, I want to keep that jar. I need to find a use for it. And so having just heard that gratitude jar story, I decided to give myself a compliment jar. So that thing, that huge jar has a big sticker that says, well done, Mika. And after, for instance, this podcast, I will write myself a note. Hey, awesome job being on the podcast with Amy or something like that. And I'll put that in the jar. And some days it's, it's big things. Some days it's small things. Some days it's like, oh my God, it was terrible weather. And I still made it out three times with my dog. That's something to be proud of some days. So I really, I think it helps us so much to establish a com self-complimenting practice. If it's a jar or a journal, whatever works for you. Or maybe, maybe sharing with your family over dinner. I was like, what are you proud of today? What, did you, what, is, what is awesomeness today? Something like that. There are many ideas. And I love that practice and I, I really... I'm spreading the word about this because I think that's such an easy way to get started. And there's so many wonderful things we are all doing every day. It's like some days it's enough to just say, hey, 
I felt like whatever, and I got up anyway. Yeah, that might be the accomplishment of the day. That might be something to be proud of. I've had my days where I'm like, okay, I'm really proud I made it out of bed today. So it doesn't have to be like, this was the day when I paid off my student loans or <laughs> something like that big. That is my favorite practice to get people started. But of course, like with everything, there is no quick fix. It requires consistency. I love that. My background before this was in construction. And a lot of times you have a to-do list. And there is a moment of feeling a sense of accomplishment when something's completed, but it's a fleeting moment. And what I like about what you're saying is sometimes we can get, okay, well, what's next? And what do I need to do next? And we get caught up in this train of movement and we don't really stop to celebrate life and to celebrate what we are doing well. But then on the flip side, it's so easy to ruminate about the things that maybe we didn't do right. That for some reason gets so much airtime in, you know, especially for me in my head, but I don't always take the time to go, what went right? So I love what you're saying. I am so with you on that because I just, I think a day or two ago, I, I recorded a video on that. We spend hours beating ourselves up for mistakes we've made or perceived mistakes, perceived failures. Because, I mean, half of the stuff, at least, isn't even a, an actual mistake. It's just what we see as a mistake or failure. And, and we spend zero time just enjoying the moment when something is either just done or, or well done, right? So, and that's, that's really a point where also we want to re retrain our brains. We want to retrain our brain Let's say we did something like giving the first public presentation or something in a job or just like having, having suddenly a Zoom audience that goes beyond the people you know from work and you do it. This is, this is you have to tell your brain, all right, look, I stepped outside the comfort zone and not only did I survive it, I actually, yeah, rocked that thing. And you need to take that moment because next time you have to, let's say, give another big presentation. Otherwise, your brain gives you the same, this is dangerous, this is dangerous, stay back in your comfort zone, don't do it. But if you continue a practice like complimenting yourself, taking that moment of being, being in that moment, saying, wow, well done, your brain will learn it. And that's, that's what it's all about. I really like that. I like that a lot. It sounds a lot like being a good friend to yourself, treating yourself well, cheering yourself on. And I, I mean, I always like the idea of uh, being my favorite person. I don't say being my best friend because quite honestly, if I had a best friend who was like a copy of myself, I'm like, I'm not sure I need that. I need some, need some other properties and characteristics as a best friend. But uh, as my favorite person, I mean, that's probably a hard concept for, especially for the parents among your listeners. You are the only person you're going to spend or have spent also every second of your life with. So if you cannot be your favorite person, you're missing out on a huge potential because you will always be there. You better love yourself. 
And that does not take away from your kids. It actually, it refill, it actually ensures that you refill your cup and that you can do more for your kids, not less, by being a little, as I said before, selfish, but like air quotes, selfish, right? I don't like the interpretation, the negative interpretation. I like that you're saying it, though, because it's not selfish, but we think of it as selfish. So you're kind of calling it out, you know, calling it for the way that people might think of it and then helping people reframe it. It's so important. And honestly, it's a role model. So for me, there's a lot of trauma stemming back generations and throughout generations. And so when we're talking about it like that, obviously things are being passed on. And so what you're talking about here is when we can learn how to care for ourselves, how to treat ourselves and be a friend to ourselves. We're also teaching the younger people in our lives or those around us how to do the same. And that's what we want if we want to head in that, that healthier way of interacting with life and challenges, being able to, to tackle some of those challenges that are going to come our way. That's life. Yeah, yeah. And that's why when I, when I work with uh, a, a woman one-on-one or in a small group setting, and we have this discussion about the selfishness and the self-care. And for many people, it's hard, especially women, because of uh, the cultural cliches and, and learnings most of us still have. I hope that's already changing. You, whoever is listening to that, you can change it for your daughters. You can change it. And that requires you to have your boundaries and to respect your own boundaries as much as you tend to respect everybody else's boundaries because we're really good at that. Yeah? Everybody else's boundaries like, oh yeah, yeah, sure. I'm not, oh yeah, I'm totally not intruding there. But we don't respect our own boundaries. We don't set our own boundaries. That is where we have to start because, and that might be the thought that gets a lot of people to act. I have, my experience is that this is a, like a, like a first step for, especially mothers of daughters to say, all right, I'm doing that for her, which in the end you do. Then it's, it's easier with this little detour than going directly to, I'm doing something for myself. And if you don't have a daughter, it's still, I have a little niece. Uh, who is my who is my godchild, and I want her to see her aunt being a rock star, because uh, I mean she already has a fabulous mother, but can't can't hurt to have a couple more strong women in the family, right? Absolutely, I think it's so important, especially some of the challenges that we're facing now, nationally and globally. Yes. We really need to help the little humans coming up behind us to be resilient and to have those skill sets to be able to work with and work through some of the challenges that we're all facing together to be as healthy as we can be and productive in a way that's in alignment with that healthier sense of self. Yeah. I'm actually very hopeful and optimistic about that because I'm, I'm, I'm Gen X. And already among the millennials and Gen Z, I see such huge shifts that are towards the positive. Like, I don't think my generation thought about personal development much before most people turned like 40. That was very rare. There were people, but overall, as, as a generation, we didn't. So I'm actually, I don't want to do any generation bashing. I want to do the opposite. I, I love that the millennials and Gen Z have 
so much to teach to us too about making making personal development a priority as soon as you can. And that's that's something a lot of people, a lot of Gen Xers still need to learn. So speaking of perfectionism still, when we're afraid of failing, or sometimes it's just, it doesn't, we don't necessarily think of failing like in big headline letters. Sometimes it just feels like taking a misstep, making a mistake, saying something wrong, doing something wrong. This can lead to procrastination. And I wanted to talk a lot about that because, or not necessarily a lot, but at least touch on it, because procrastination can compound our uh, feelings of inadequacy, which can just start this cycle. We started off with perfection. We're afraid of getting things wrong. And then we procrastinate and now we feel worse. So what are some of the ways that we can move through procrastination when we find ourselves in that situation? So yeah, that's, that's really a classic. If I'm afraid of not doing it right, I better not do it at all. That, of course, is not a very adult idea. That is, again, your inner child who is like four or five years old. And at that age, that seems like a super smart strategy to avoid mistakes or failure. So that's the first awareness again. This is not your your adult self. This is your child self giving you life advice. Not sure if you should take that. So that's where it starts. And I actually have a very pragmatic view on that. I was uh, born and raised in Germany. So um, I am am very pragmatic about a lot of things. I'm very much a no drama person. When people uh, tell me that, they can't do stuff and they are, they, don't have, they are not motivated. They're waiting for motivation or something. I just tell them this, this, this is a luxury problem. If you were hungry, your kids were hungry, you have no idea where your next meal comes from. Nobody's procrastinating and nobody's waiting for motivation. You just go out there and find food for yourself or your kids. So that's, I think, something we really need to realize. and. Uh, that might sound a little harsh, but I think that's always like putting, putting stuff in perspective a little, right? So you can do anything without being motivated to do it. And you do a lot of things without being motivated. Yeah? So you do your laundry. I mean, I, I, I don't think any of us is very motivated to do laundry. And we still have clean stuff. So that's proof that we can do things without feeling motivated. The reason why perfectionism leads to procrastination is because there we have skin in the game. It is something more important than, well, maybe it's not more important than clean underwear, but it, it, has, uh, it has something to do with our sense of self again. We all are sure that we can start a washer. At a certain age, we know how to start a washer. There is no age when we are ready to do things that take us outside of our comfort zone. So it is a deliberate step. But quite honestly, I am a big fan of time blocking, putting stuff on the calendar and getting in the habit of sticking to dates with myself the way I stick to appointments and dates with others. And that's where when you let go of that idea that you need to be motivated to do something and just do it, Maybe half-ass it. <laughs> that's, that's one of my favorite tips. Learn how to half-ass stuff. Just get it out. Like oh, it, among writers, it's called the shitty first draft. 
as, as soon as the first version is out, whatever it is, it already feels so much better. I love that. Sometimes just taking the first step, even if it's a micro step. Absolutely. Can be small steps. I'm a big fan of what I call massive action. But what it is in the end is just a ton of baby steps. And baby steps, micro steps are great because when you realize you want to recalibrate, it's not that bad. It's not that difficult. Uh, if you, sometimes it's good to leap. But I mean, the moment you jump off the cliff into the ocean, well, you're, you've jumped, right? That's it. Uh, you can beam yourself back up on the cliff with your micro steps. You are still kind of with a, you still have a toe in your comfort zone and your comfort zone can kind of grow behind you. And that for many, many situations, that's the approach you want to take. You don't need to radically change things, most things. One of the things that I'm learning to do now is if there's a challenge before me that I don't have the answer to. So if you're in a situation where you're making the decision for yourself and you're not necessarily in a situation where you're trying to do something someone else has asked you to do with their guidelines and parameters, but it's really a decision for yourself and you're procrastinating because you're not quite sure, you feel like you, you understand the pieces of the puzzle enough something I'm starting to do is go on walks in the morning. Just wake up with that fresh mind and then go on a walk and just kind of breathe through it, think through it, just kind of let it play out. And in my mind, in my heart, and just spiritually too, what is it that's bothering me about this? Or what is it that I'm most concerned about with this? Sometimes journaling, an alternative to that, journaling, just talking it out to yourself can help too. And then once you have those pieces, then you know whether this is really a big concern or not. But sometimes it's just, you just feel like you don't really have your hands around the issue. And I think there are, I, I do the morning pages for the exact same reason. And I think both the walking and being, just being with yourself or, or the journaling, you can actually feel into if you're driven by fear. Because that's usually what keeps us from making decisions because we want to make the right decision, not just, but what, what happens there is we stay in maybe land and maybe land is a terrible energy sucker. Actually, even taking a wrong decision feels better than being stuck in maybe land, but that's something our brains don't accept. In reality, any decision feels better than, than no decision. So that's, that's one thing. What I, do, uh, what I do sometimes as a visualization when I feel I don't really want to give up on something, but my intuition tells me this is not possible right now, or this is, maybe it's not the, I've, I feel like, oh God, when I say no now, that means no forever. But it doesn't. It doesn't. When I say no now, I'm just making a decision. This is not the right time, or this is not, I'm not in the right place for it. And what the idea I use a little for that is the magic buffet. So everything I would ever want to do is on the magic buffet. And I am just picking a plate for now. And that doesn't mean that the other stuff goes away because it's my magic buffet. And everything stays warm or cold as it's supposed to be on the magic buffet. And when, I have, when I'm done with my plate, then I can go back and get something new. And it's still there. And 
that's usually how it is with our plans and, and passions and interests too. They don't go away. It's ve- there are very few things that are really one-time chances or opportunities. That's so important. I think that's just so incredibly key because um, we could, this is a whole separate conversation and it's a deep one, but talking about marketing and how much our life is around FOMO, fear of missing out, everything. And so you're just kind of, sometimes there can just be that anxiety around decision-making. You know, what, do, what, do I, what am I going to lose if I make the wrong decision too? So I really like that you said that. It changes the way I think about the situation then. What's most important to me in this moment? And what would I like to focus on? It takes the pressure off. The buffet is still there. The opportunity is still there. And when the timing is right, I can interact with that again in another way. So it's kind of honoring the core needs or what's most important to you and not really giving in or sliding into that feeling of, oh no, what have I done? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like opening this door closes all the other doors. No, it doesn't. It just means that right now you're stepping through this door. That's all it means. It doesn't say anything about any of the other doors. To mix up my metaphors here. <laughs> I like it a lot because one of the, the, one of the other questions I was going to ask you about is the, one of the reasons why I know for at least for myself why I've procrastinated is feeling overwhelmed and trying to tackle all of the things that are clearly big and important. But then there's a lot of little things that kind of come up in the way. And sometimes those little things can feel important too, or there can be a lot of them and they take up your time. And sometimes the whole thing can just feel like a lot. And then it's like, you're not really seeing what's important to you in the moment. Like the clarity starts to kind of fade. It gets cloudy. So what are, your, what are your thoughts on that? How can we create habits that help us hone in on the things that matter the most to us? So it's basically just kind of taking that conversation of the buffet and moving it forward to what are those, some of those habits? What does that look like in our daily life? So what I see a lot, and I'm sure that that is something similar to what you described uh, I see that with myself and with clients is productive procrastination. No? So we have tasks on our list that somehow get pushed and pushed while we do a lot of other things. Right? So like when I, when I check my emails after this conversation, I probably have a couple. And then instead of going to the task I have set myself for this afternoon, which might be a little challenging, I might go straight to doing whatever comes up in all these emails and clear out my mailbox and feel great about that. But the thing I'm actually supposed to do is still not done. So that's kind of the the productive procrastination. And of course, we've all productively cleaned in our lives and we've procrastively studied. Yeah, we need more degrees before we can start working on something. So all all these nice things, it has value. But not as much as doing our stuff, right? One of the habits that I have been working on and I sometimes fall off the wagon and then I get back on is having not having my email accounts check emails automatically. So right now, for instance, I only have one private email account on the phone so that I cannot check business emails while I'm on the road because 
it doesn't really help. If, if there's a case of emergency, probably not a business emergency. Yeah? So, um, and then most people have my phone number so they can text me. But that is something I'm experimenting right now. And I have to just limit myself. I have to limit my exposure, for instance, to social media, to emails. There are different ways of doing that because that's what usually causes my productive procrastination. And for me, what's been a huge game changer is morning ritual, establishing a morning ritual, because if checking emails is the first thing I do in the morning, it sets me off the wrong way. So I'm very fortunate. I hired someone. uh, I have an assistant who checks emails first. So if something is really, really urgent, again, it'll show up on my phone. It's like, okay, sure. There's a question then uh, from her. But I start with journaling, meditating, and walking the dog. And that sets me off to a good start to the day because at that point, I don't act from from fear and panic that I'm missing out on something. I've already spent one and a half hours of the day not working. And that allows me to take the step back and look at my list and really breathe and do things a better way and establish those those healthy patterns is, is really the starting point. The morning ritual might not be your ideal pattern, but I personally think and there are stud for me it's it's very clearly an experience. New habits are easier to establish in the mornings. And there are several studies that also confirm that. So if you want to make these changes, try them out in the morning. When I was I worked in construction for 13 years and oftentimes the starting point of the day would be 6 30 a.m. or 7 a.m. So you would be up really early. And then commuting and then getting there. And then it's also, it's an intense environment. You know, it's really boots on the ground. Here we are. We're all here. Let's get started. So you might have those early morning meetings and then there goes your day. So one of the things that I did then was making sure that I didn't take anything that happened from the day into the new day with me. So I had an evening ritual and then that would look like taking that time to kind of release anything that happened from the day, to kind of let it go. Yeah, I love that too. I love that too. And I, uh, especially for, for those who work in high stress environments or jobs. Right? I mean, it's probably everybody who's an essential worker right now or everybody who, is, uh, who, who works with others who need support is usually in, has, has this, this high stress environment. And, yeah, construction is a good example. Uh, there are many examples. So that 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 releasing ritual that is a very very healthy ritual habit. Thanks for sharing that. Now I've been um, learning to do it in the morning, starting off the morning that way, because everything that you're saying and sharing about setting the intention for the day is so true, and it's a game changer. Rather than kind of taking that initial urgency or angst and carrying it forward into the day, it's resetting and making sure that I'm kind of getting off on the foot that I want to get off on. The kind of the next place I thought would be important to talk about is practicing self-care and having self-compassion. 
What are some of your thoughts on self-care and how do you cultivate self-compassion? I am a big believer in that you need practices that are easy for you. So there again, German pragmatism, it does not help. Like when I, when I work with someone and we talk about self-care, which we always do, I hear stuff like, oh yeah, I want to pick up yoga again. I'm like, yeah, that's good. How often do you want to do it? Three times a week. And I'm like, okay, so right now, let me, let me rephrase that. Right now you are doing yoga zero times a week. Next week you want to do it three times. How realistic is that? And people are like, oh, 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 the moment I get into it, I'm like, yeah, but you are not at that moment. So we all overestimate our capacity for, for immediate change the moment we are enthusiastic about it. Someone who, let's say, never enjoyed exercise will probably not go from zero to three workouts a week. That's, that's not happening. It might happen, but it's not realistic. So how about you start with the one time a week and you find yourself a girlfriend, if it's on Zoom or in person, to do it with you? Huh? And how about you, put, you make it easy for yourself? So you choose way ahead of time. Okay, this is, let's say, the DVD I'm working with or whatever. <laughs> DVD, did I just say that? Oh, my God, old person. This is, this is the, the, the video I'm working with or this is the book I'm working with. And there's my, there's my clothing. I like morning workouts. So I put out, just to make it easier for myself, I put out my, my clothes in the bathroom uh, the night before. I also actually do that with my, my regular stuff I'm planning to wear the next day. Just that that's a decision I don't need in my morning. And for instance, if you are the mother of, let's say, two toddlers, you will probably have a very hard time meditating 20 minutes in the morning. I mean, if you have like rock star toddlers who can keep themselves busy without you for 20 minutes, good for you. But uh, you might have to start with two minutes that happen while you close the bathroom door behind you. So you might not even, it might not be the occasion where you get yourself a fancy meditation cushion because you'll just sit on the edge of your bathtub and close your eyes for two minutes or make, or do, do take five deep breaths instead of establishing a meditation practice right now. I call it microdosing <laughs> self-care stuff that's actually possible because it's easy. That's where I usually get started with people. Starting somewhere and even just changing our mindset about what self-care is, you know, helping yeah. people see that. That's changed my life because that for a long time, I didn't, I didn't even think about self-care. You know, I wasn't raised to think about it. Yeah. It's tricky because uh, the first thing when you think about self-care, I think probably more predominantly among women is pampering, right? So my thought of self-care was, like maybe getting a facial or a mani-pedi or going to a spa, which is, it's all fine, right? But this is, this is what I, what's pampering because I'm doing that for today's me. And self-care is everything I consider I'm doing for future me. So um, self-care actually includes, let's say, doing, doing my regular doctor's checkups. That is self-care too doesn't look like it because it's not pampering. It's actually often an unpleasant task, but that is self-care because I, women in my family get very, very old. So 
I am totally planning to be a kick-ass 100-year-old. And so that doctor's appointment I, I'm, visit, I'm doing, let's say, tomorrow, that is one little, little, little stepping stone towards uh, being that fabulous 100-year-old I'm planning to be. Being a good friend to yourself, unlearning perfectionism, really connecting with your self-worth. These are all self-care things that we do or can do that aid us in creating a life that we want to be a part of, that we're excited or looking forward to being in, waking up, being engaged. So I, I like the practicalness that you bring to the conversation to help people think about what's important to them and what they can do. Also that mindset and that spiritual aspect too, that you're able to help people coach them through that too, getting at some of those root things that can keep people from really feeling restored. Do you have any um, thoughts on self-compassion while we're kind of on this topic and we're talking about how we treat ourselves through this process and how we care for ourselves? What are some of your thoughts on self-compassion? That is something so many of us really have to learn from the ground up again, including me. Again, my cultural background does not encourage any of that. It's something I've gotten much better in because that critical voice, that inner critic we all have, I used to think that that's a good motivator, right? Because it's driving me. All that criticism is like, okay, work harder. Go, 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 work more. And it took me, it took me a long time to understand that it's actually not a sustainable motivation. It's actually quite a hurtful thing. And what helped me a lot with that process of awareness, of changing my thoughts, giving myself positive thoughts. Um, the negative thoughts are still there. They are just having less of an impact these days. They don't go away. So if you're trying to, to whatever, silence your inner critic when I read that stuff, it's like, you're just lying. It's like, yeah, lose 20 pounds next week. It's not happening. But uh, what can happen is with consistency that you can reframe a lot of these things. So my inner critic is actually tells me a lot that I'm too lazy. Long story short, I don't, I don't get into that, where that comes from. But I gave myself positive affirmation that says, I respect my body's need to rest. Because I get this, you're lazy, you're lazy, your to-do list is not done. I get that Sunday afternoon when I'm on the couch with a book which is obviously exactly the place where I should be on a Sunday afternoon. That I get that voice and then I have my positive affirmation. I am respecting my body's need for rest. Full stop. I'm not even, I'm not even resting in a, in a mental sense because I'm still reading and doing stuff. But, and I use positive affirmations a lot and they just have to ring true to you. So if you start with your um, inner critic's Top 10 hits, top five, or top one, <laughs> the top album, the favorite album of your inner critic, and write those negative stuff down. You will realize that it's all stuff you would never tell others. And then try to find your own positive replacement thoughts. So it can be the exact opposite, but very often, like in the example I just named, it is not because you can go to the root cause. So 
I have positive affirmations all over the place. I have sticky notes on my big computer screen. I have things written on my bathroom mirror. I like to, to have it around. And then when I look at it, I might just say it aloud to, to reaffirm it. But again, it takes time. But that's a thing. It is so hard to learn being compassionate with ourselves, giving ourselves that much grace that I, I like my sticky notes all over the place to remind me. Yeah, I really think it's so important that we're connected with what our needs are as humans, that we have those physical needs, the spiritual needs, the mental needs, the emotional needs, and honoring them and the need for physical rest or mental rest is just as important as some of the other things that we prioritize so easily. And I mean, quite honestly, if I ask random people, or you did, what are your needs? What do you really need for yourself? We would get a lot of blank stares. That's, that's something I like to give as homework when people are ready to do something. I'm like, write down what you need. You, as a person, you alone, what do you need? Is that it doesn't matter if it's in a, in a physical sense or emotional or spiritual or financial, physical, all of them. Just write down a list of I need and start every single sentence with I need and go back to that list. That, of course, it changes, but just having that out in the open for yourself is really important because then you can every once in a while check and say, am I really getting this? Go from there. So one of the things that you say that I really like a lot is you talk about switching the word perfect for excellent. Switching it from perfect to excellent just feels more breathable and achievable and then reduces kind of a feeling of anxiety that might come up when I'm thinking about getting something just right. What tips do you have for people on cultivating that excellence mindset? Think about an athlete and even a top athlete. A top athlete who outdoes the last top athlete. That's an excellent performance, but it's not perfect because somewhere in the world that probably the person who will outperform them has already been born. Right? So... I think in sports, it's easy. That's, that's actually uh, a place where we can see it, that excellence is the goal. Now, even if you're the best right now, it's not perfect because the next one will be even better. Or, yeah, you will be outdone and you outdid a superstar yourself, maybe. Huh? So there you can also see excellence is measurable. There are certain criteria. I mean, I'm sticking with sports because it's easy. So how fast you can run, swim, whatever, uh, a certain distance, that's the measure of excellence. There's a world record, there's an American record, there's a European record, there's an African record, and so on. So there's the measure of excellence, which will change as times change. It is repeatable. And so that is something we can also transfer to all our lives. Set an ambitious goal, yes, but it has to be achievable. Perfect is not achievable because there's, it, it's also not measurable. There's no perfect. No? Excellence is some, something we probably won't achieve every day because then it would be average, right? Our average, but 
that might still be more than good enough. Excellence has standards and you can, if you work in a team, you can establish them together. Or if you work by yourself, you can set them. You can set them realistically, but ambitiously, and they are repeatable. And that's, I think, where you can start if you're honest with yourself. It's less strict rather than shooting for, okay, you know, this has got to be perfect. Excellent is, like you said, something you can decide for yourself. Maybe taking a break and reading a book on a Sunday afternoon is excellent (laughs) because that's what you need. And that's what excellent self-care looks like for you in that moment. You know, so just replacing that word rather than choosing perfect is just such a breath of fresh air. You know, just this is good. This is what's good for me. This is what's right. Is there anything else that is on your mind or your heart that you would like to share with us? If someone asks me for one piece of advice, what I usually say is don't believe your thoughts. They are not facts, most of them. Very few of them are facts. They are your story. They are just thoughts. They are not real. So that's where change can happen. That's where the transformation starts. That's beautiful. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's been so wonderful to spend time with you today um, and to just take some just really intentional time to think about how we can take steps away from perfectionism and start cultivating a deeper sense of self-worth. Before we part ways, is there anything that you'd like people to know, special programs that you have, ways that they can reach out to you if they have questions, how they can connect with you on social media? How should we stay in touch? I love to hear from people. Always, always and ever. So the easiest way for people is probably gobigcoaching.com. That's my website that has a ton of information that also has the information on my upcoming program, the Go Big Accelerator, which I am super excited about. It starts on September 22nd, eight women, eight weeks, eight people who identify as women, I want to clarify, eight weeks, and we are working through these many, many limiting beliefs we have. So in this small group, we tackle one topic each time and uh, there will be hot seats, so solo sessions. And uh, yeah, the more information is on the website and it's starting in September. So now is the time to, to get on board. You can always reach out uh, through my availability link. So on the website, there is also a free 15-minute check-in. So no strings attached, just pop in, ask a question. I have that because I want to talk to you. So you are not a bother, ask, ask uh, your question. And um, as far as social media goes, uh, I spend way too much time on Instagram. So if you shoot me a DM on Instagram, you'll probably hear back really quickly. And uh, I'm not doing Facebook right now, so I have a presence. Uh, I am also under my, under my name, Mika Golbik on LinkedIn, please connect if you feel like it. And on Instagram, it's uh, go, go underscore big underscore coaching. Well, we look forward to staying in touch with you and we're so grateful for your time today. It's been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you, Amy. If you have a wellness topic that is important to you, 
let us know by visiting emergethriving.com forward slash podcast.